Enjoy the inspiration and the introspection on the River Rain Show. Hi there, I'm Catherine Allen. I'm your host, and I'm a clairvoyant medium, astrologer, and I'm the author of a book called A Little Bit of Intuition. On the River Rain Show, I like to help empower people. I like to help you go deeper. I like to help you think of things in a new way that might shift your paradigm. A lot of people feel that they're on a crossroads uh, when they come to spiritual things. And I like to help you by taking you a little bit into your truer feelings, trusting your gut about your situation, helping you with how to make healthy decisions when you're at these crossroads, all with the perspective or the lens of metaphysical and spiritual information that comes with it. So I play a wide variety of music from all different eras. I might play some um, TV show themes. I might read some poetry or some quotes, all meant to consolidate the theme and to empower you to trust yourself. When you trust yourself, your life will flow. The more you learn to trust yourself more intimately, the more your life will flow and the more the magic will happen. And that's what I genuinely want for everybody. So welcome to the River Rain Show.
Good evening. Welcome to the Solstice Podcast. I want it to be a nice, calming evening thing for you to do, or maybe it's morning, but I want it to be a nice, calming activity for you in the midst of very high um, stress and fear in the world that's just been set off this uh, couple of days before our full moon and a few days before our solstice. I really hope that you're doing well. I hope you're taking good care of yourself, um, keeping your mind as calm and positive and optimistic as possible while still being careful as needed. But uh, we're not going to focus on that too much now. I want to just give you a nice peaceful experience. Um, tonight is, today or tonight, it's going to be a combination of um, some atmospheric music, calming music, and uh, poems or short stories without any commentary. So enjoy and be well. first poem, I'm going to take a look at a Yule poem by Raven Willow Rune. Soft the snow falls on blackest of night, silver the moon shines, tis a glorious sight. The fox and the bear are tucked up in bed, they sleep undisturbed, they're warm and fed. Away in the distant, a glint in the dark, a candle is lit to remember the sun's spark. The holly king reigns now with cold and ice, red bitter berries and apples with spice. Thorns are his crown, this time it is Yule, gathering his strength for the upcoming duel. The oak king is coming, but for now he is weak. Is time in the distance like sun that we seek. Now is the time for Jack Frost to appear, nipping our nose and tweaking our ear. Icicles and raindrops, the dark of the night, keep us warm by the fire's hot light. Gifting our presence to those that we love, giving our thanks to the divine up above. But remember when you are gifting and giving, to gift yourself the blessing of living.
let the sun shine over the darkness. One of them rules over, one of them will fade away. Darkness won't last, oh, darkness won't last always. Light will always win. Let the light guide.
believe in the power of the receptive. How does it feel? Believing in the power of the receptive gives you the feeling of quiet anticipation. It's the feeling that you have when you have been promised something by a person that experience has taught you always keeps their promises to you. You wait and are joyful while you wait because you know whatever has been promised is forthcoming. Believing in the power of the receptive empowers you to handle other personal agenda items, knowing to prepare for receiving your desire. The Tao of the Goddess, Joan R. Tarpley. to invite you to <clears throat> to meditate or at least put yourself in a more relaxed state as you listen to the rest of the show if you're still listening so you'll get more benefit you'll hear the words you'll feel the moods you'll listen differently to the music if you're a little more relaxed it's also a good way to calm anxiety, calm your nerves. So all we're going to do simply is just check that you're sitting in a balanced position. Just check yourself head to toe and see, does my body feel like it's sitting in balance? Maybe you want to turn your head one way or the other front or back, side to side. Maybe you notice that your shoulders, one of them's a little higher than the other because of some tension. Maybe you want to just roll out that shoulder. Maybe you want to notice if your arm or your hands have any stress, or if one is off to the side, one's on your lap, one's on a chair, and one's still clutching your phone or something. See if you can just set everything down. Really, our arms and our hands and our fingers are so overworked from our technology now. Just want you to stretch out your hands. Really open them up wide and relax them. And then just place your arms in a way that you feel very balanced. And now just see if your stomach and your ribs and your torso are feeling okay? Are you breathing easily? Maybe you want to shift your position until you find that the breath is relieved or easier to breathe. Whatever that position is, that's your good position of balance. You might need to be on your side with a twist. You might need to be flat on your back. You might need to bend forward to get that feeling. Whatever relieves your breath is the right position for now. Let's go down and feel what's going on with the hips and your back. You might want to just loosely move 
your back and your hips, loosen them. You can do that whether you're in a chair or lying down, as if you're using a hula hoop almost, even though you're sitting. Loosen that up and then let yourself find that sweet spot where your back feels great. just hold enormous tension so you might just want to like stretch your leg just pull your foot back a bit make your toes come back towards your face just feel that nice stretch behind the knees or down the hamstring wherever it is just rotate your ankles a little and then you're just going to drop the legs wherever whatever position feels really good. It's all about finding relief right now. Whatever relieves your body. And if you're super tired and you fall asleep in the middle of this or during the next poem or song, that's wonderful. That makes me happy. And if you don't, then you will be in a more relaxed and lucid state to listen to the rest of the, of the show. Let's begin.
that I've known Frost. Whose woods are these? I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. The little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near. Between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds, the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. Robert Frost. And you will be my 
Things fall apart. Pema Chaudron. Hard advice for difficult times. This is chapter nine. Six kinds of loneliness. Usually we regard loneliness as an enemy. Heartache is not something we choose to invite in. It's restless and pregnant and hot with desire to keep to escape and find something or someone to keep us company. When we can rest in the middle, we begin to have a non-threatening relationship with loneliness, a relaxing and a cooling loneliness that completely turns our usual fearful patterns upside down. In the middle way, there is no reference point. The mind with no reference point does not revolve itself, does not fixate or grasp. How could we possibly have no reference point? To have no reference point would be to change a deep-seated, habitual response to the world, wanting to make it work out one way or the other. If I can't go left or right, I will die. When we don't go left or right, we feel like we are in a detox center. We're alone, cold turkey with all the edginess that we've been trying to avoid by going right or left. That edginess can feel pretty heavy. However, years and years of going to the left or right, going to yes or no, going to right or wrong, has never really changed anything. Scrambling for security has never brought anything but momentary joy. It's like changing the position of our legs in meditation. Our legs hurt from sitting cross-legged, so we move them. And then we feel, whew, what a relief. But two and a half minutes later, we want to move them again. We keep moving around, seeking pleasure, seeking comfort, and the satisfaction that we get is short-lived. We hear a lot about the pain of samsara, and we also hear a lot about liberation. But we don't hear much about how painful it is to go from being completely stuck to becoming unstuck. The 
process of becoming unstuck requires tremendous bravery because basically we're completely changing our way of perceiving reality, like changing our DNA. We are undoing a pattern that is not just our pattern. It's the human pattern we project onto the world a zillion possibilities of attaining resolution. We can have whiter teeth, a weed-free lawn, a strife-free life, a world without embarrassment. We can live happily ever after. This pattern keeps us dissatisfied and causes a lot of suffering. As human beings, not only do we seek resolution, but we also feel that we deserve resolution. However, not only do we not deserve resolution, we suffer from resolution. We don't deserve resolution. We deserve something better than that. We deserve our birthright, which is the middle way, an open state of mind that can relax with paradox and ambiguity. To the degree that we've been avoiding uncertainty, we're naturally going to have withdrawal symptoms Withdrawal from always thinking that there's a problem and that someone somewhere needs to fix it. The middle way is wide open, but it's tough going because it goes against the grain of an ancient neurotic pattern that we all share. When we feel lonely, when we feel hopeless, what we want to do is move to the right or the left. We don't want to sit and feel what we feel. We don't want to go through the detox. Yet the middle way encourages, to, encourages us to do just that. It encourages us to awaken the bravery that exists in everyone, without exception, including you and me. Meditation provides a way for us to train in the middle way, in staying in the right spot, staying right on the spot. We are encouraged not to judge whatever arises in the, our mind. In fact, we're encouraged not even to grasp whatever arises in our mind. What we usually call good or bad, we simply acknowledge as thinking, without all the usual drama that goes along with right and wrong. We're instructed to let the thoughts come and go, as if touching a bubble with a feather. This straightforward discipline prepares us to stop struggling and discover a fresh, unbiased state of being. The experience of certain feelings can seem particularly pregnant with desire for resolution. Loneliness, boredom, anxiety. Unless we can relax with these feelings, it's very hard to stay in the middle when we experience them. We want victory or defeat, praise or blame. For example, if somebody abandons us and we don't want to be with that raw discomfort, Instead, we conjure up a familiar identity of ourselves as a hapless victim. Or maybe we avoid the rawness by acting out and righteously telling the person how messed up he or she is. We automatically want to cover over the pain in one way or another, identifying with victory or victimhood. Usually, we regard loneliness as an enemy. Heartache is not something we choose to invite in. It's restless and pregnant and hot with a desire to escape and find something or someone to keep us company. We can rest in the middle 
we can begin to have a non-threatening relationship with loneliness. A relaxing and cooling loneliness that completely turns our usual fearful patterns upside down. There are six ways of describing this kind of cool loneliness. They are less desire, contentment, avoiding unnecessary activity, complete discipline, not wandering in the world of desire, and not seeking security from one's discursive thoughts. Less desire is the willingness to be lonely without resolution when everything in us yearns for something to cheer us on and change our mood. Practicing this kind of loneliness is a way of sowing seeds so that fundamental restlessness decreases. In meditation, for example, every time we label thinking, instead of getting endlessly run around by our thoughts, we're training in just being here without dissociation. We can't do that now to the degree that we weren't weren't willing to do it yesterday or the day before or last week or last year. After we practice less desire wholeheartedly and consistently, something shifts. We feel less desire in the sense of being less solidly seduced by our very important storylines. So even if the hot loneliness is there for 1.6 seconds, we sit with that restlessness when yesterday we couldn't sit for even one. That's the journey of the warrior. That's the path of bravery. The less we spin off and go crazy, the more we taste the satisfaction of cool loneliness. As the Zen master, Katagiri Roshi often said, one can be lonely and not be tossed away by it. <laughs> the second kind of loneliness is contentment. When we have nothing, we have nothing to lose. We don't have anything to lose but being programmed in our guts to feel that we have a lot to lose. Our feeling that we have a lot to lose is rooted in fear of loneliness or of change, of anything that can't be resolved or of non-existence. The hope that we can avoid this feeling and the fear that we can't become our reference point. When we draw a line down the center of a page, we know who we are if we're on the right side and we know who we are if we're on the left side but we don't know who we are when we don't put ourselves on either side. Then we just don't know what to do. We just don't know. We have no reference point, no hand to hold. And at that point, we can either freak out or settle in. Contentment is a synonym for loneliness, cool loneliness, settling down with cool loneliness. We give up believing that being able to escape our loneliness is going to bring any lasting happiness or joy or sense of well-being or courage or strength. Usually we have to give up this belief about a billion times again and again, making friends with our jumpiness and dread, doing the same old thing a billion times with awareness. Then without our even noticing, something begins to shift. 
we can just be lonely with no alternatives, contentment to be right here with the mood and texture of what's happening. The third kind of loneliness is avoiding unnecessary activities. When we're lonely in a hot way, we look for something to save us. We look for a way out. We get this queasy feeling that we call loneliness. And our minds just go wild trying to come up with companions to save us from despair. That's called unnecessary activity. It's a way of keeping ourselves busy so we don't have to feel any pain. It could take the form of obsessively daydreaming of true romance, or turning a tidbit of gossip into the six o'clock news, or even going off by ourselves into the wilderness. The point is that in all these activities, we're seeking companionship in our usual habitual way, using our same old repetitive ways of distancing ourselves from the demon of loneliness. Could we just settle down and have some compassion and respect for ourselves? Could we just stop trying to escape from being alone with ourselves? What about practicing not jumping and grabbing when we begin to panic? Relaxing with loneliness is a worthy occupation. Japanese poet Ryokin says, If you want to find the meaning, stop chasing after so many things. Complete discipline is another component component of cool loneliness. Complete discipline means that every opportunity, we're willing to come back, just gently come back to the present moment. This is loneliness as complete discipline. We're willing to sit still just be there alone. We don't particularly have to cultivate this kind of loneliness. We could just sit still long enough to realize it's how things really are. We are fundamentally alone and there's nothing anywhere to hold on to. Moreover, this is not a problem. In fact, it allows us to finally discover a completely unfabricated state of being. Our habitual assumptions, all our ideas about how things are, keep us from seeing anything in a fresh, open way. We say, oh yes, I know, but we don't know. We don't ultimately know anything. There's no certainty about anything. This basic basic truth hurts, and we want to run away from it. Coming back and relaxing with something as familiar as loneliness is a good discipline for realizing the profundity of the unresolved moments in our lives. We're cheating ourselves when we run away from the ambiguity and loneliness. Not wandering in the world of desire is another way of describing cool loneliness. Wandering in the world of desire involves looking for alternatives and seeking something to comfort us. (laughs) Food, drink, people... The word desire encompasses that addiction quality, the way we grab for something because we want to find a way to make things okay. That quality comes from never having grown up. We still want to go home and be able to open the refrigerator and find it full of our favorite goodies. When the going gets tough, we want to yell, Mom! 
But what we're doing as we progress along the path is leaving home and becoming homeless. Not wandering in the world of desire is about relating directly to how things are. Loneliness is not a problem. Loneliness is nothing to be solved. The same is true for any other experiences we might have. Another aspect of cool loneliness is not seeking security from one's discursive thoughts. The rug's been pulled, the jig is up, there's no way to get out of this one. We don't even seek the companionship of our own constant conversation with ourselves about how it is and how it isn't, whether it is or whether it isn't, whether it should or whether we shouldn't, whether we can or, or whether it can't. With cool loneliness, we don't expect security from our own internal chatter. That's why we are instructed to label it just thinking. It has no objective reality. It's transparent and ungraspable. We're encouraged to just touch the chatter and let it go. Not make much ado about nothing. Cool loneliness allows us to look honestly and without aggression at our own minds. We can gradually drop our ideals of who we think we ought to be or who we think we want to be or who we think other people think we want to be or we ought to be. We just give it up and look directly with compassion and humor at who we are. Then loneliness is no threat and heartache and it's not a punishment. Cool loneliness doesn't provide any resolution or give us ground under our feet challenges us to step into a world of no reference point without polarizing or solidifying. This is called the middle way or the sacred path of the warrior. When you wake up in the morning and out of nowhere comes the heartache of alienation and loneliness, could you use that as a golden opportunity? Rather than persecuting yourself or feeling that something's terribly wrong is happening right there in the moment of sadness and longing, could you relax and touch the limitless space of the human heart? The next chance you get, experiment with this. When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron.
To Know the Dark by Wendell Berry. To go into the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and find that dark too blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. Burning low upon my tabletop Snow, snow is softly falling The air is still in the silence of my room I hear, I hear your voice softly calling If I could only have Just to hold the hands I love On this winter's night with you The smoke, smoke is rising In the shadows overhead my glass is almost empty I read again between the lines upon each page The words of love you send me If I could know within my heart you Growing dim, the shades, shades of night are lifting. The morning light steals across my window pane, where webs of snow are drifting. If I could This winter's night with you.
White Eyes by Mary Oliver. In winter, all the singing is in the tops of the trees, where the wind bird with its white eyes shoves and pushes amongst the branches. Like any of us, he wants to go to sleep, but he's restless. He has an idea, and it slowly unfolds from under his beating wings as long as he stays awake. But his big, round music, after all, is too breathy to last. So it's over. In the pine crown, he makes his nest. He's done all he can. I don't know the name of this bird. I only imagine his glittering beak tucked in a white wing while the clouds, which he has summoned from the north, which he has taught to be mild and silent, thicken and begin to fall into the world below like stars or feathers or some imaginable bird that loves us that is asleep now and silent that has turned itself into snow. Is something I never thought
Jennifer Chang. One winter, I lived north alone and effortless, dreaming myself into the past. Perhaps, I thought, words could replenish privacy. Outside, a red bicycle froze into form, made the world falser in its white austerity. So much happens after harvest. The moon performing novelty, slaughter snow. One hour, the same as the next, I held my hands or held the snow. I was like sculpture, forgetting, or perhaps remembering everything. Red wings in the snow, red thoughts ablaze in the war. I was having with myself again. Everything I hate about the world, I hate about myself. Even now, writing this, were a law, as if this were a law of nature. Say there were deer fleet in the snow, walking out the cold, and more ginkgos bare in the beggar's grove. Say I was not the only one who saw or heard the trees, their diffidence greater than my noise. Perhaps the future is a tiny flame I'll nick from a candle. First I'm burning, then numb. Why must every winter grow colder? And sure. <laughs> Hello, my name's Gavin. Um, you're beautiful. I made this for you to feel. I know that's hard sometimes, but you're safe to let your guard down. You're perfect. Everything is going exactly how you spend everything. Last words, you know. 
Shortest Day by Susan Cooper. So the shortest day came and the year died. And everywhere down the centuries of the snow white world came people singing, dancing, to drive the dark away. They lighted candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreen. They burned beseeching fires all night long to keep the year alive. And when the New Year's sunshine blazed awake, they shouted, reveling. Through all the frosty ages, you can hear them, echoing behind us. Listen! All the long echoes sing the same delight. The shortest day, as promise awakens in the sleeping land, they carol, feast, give thanks, and dearly love their friends, and hope for peace. And so do we, here now, this year and every year. Welcome, Yule. Oh 
Sunrise. 